electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Stocks not far from new highs as the president acknowledges for the first time that Biden's term will begin a week from Wednesday. Some Democrats call for impeachment. Uh, December jobs down 140K. That's the first negative print since April. Our roadmap begins with the day of records. New highs for COVID cases and deaths while stocks rally to all-time highs. Why one bank is saying investors should, quote, sell the vaccine. And as Carl mentioned, pressure has continued to mount on President Trump. Two cabinet secretaries are out, rising calls for either invoking the 25th Amendment or perhaps a second impeachment vote. Those both seem somewhat unlikely. This, of course, following those riots on Capitol Hill. And we got to get to Tesla once again. Why? Well, just because of its incredible wild ride on track for its 11th straight daily gain. The stock up more than 740 percent in the last year. And it does have a larger market value. You know, it's funny, Carl, just the other day I was looking at the differential between Tesla and Facebook. It was about 50 billion. It made it up very quickly. Yeah. As we get another analyst today uh, playing some catch up on Tesla, we'll get to that, guys. Jim, really quickly uh, on the president's video from yesterday uh, evening. Um, are we done with election risk at this point? Can we start talking about what comes next? Yes, I think we can. Uh, I do think it was uh, a, a moment of truth from the president. It's always that's uh, quizzical. Uh, I, I do think that we can move on. I think that what we have to move on to, though, is 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 COVID. I mean, I, I think that we uh, not that I want to minimize what happened in the steps of the Capitol. That was a travesty. But I do think that uh, the COVID numbers are horrendous and we tend to ignore them uh, because of what of the, the farce that's going on in Washington. But, David, is, can we really ignore something that's killing so many people every day? No, I certainly don't think so. Forty one hundred forty one hundred people yesterday, Jim. Thirty seven hundred or so the day prior to that. We're at the highest death uh, toll that we've seen. I think we're also at the highest single day. Right. What was it? Two hundred and seventy two thousand. Uh, it's out of control. You heard Scott Gottlieb uh, as he comes on frequently on Squawk Box talking about where we stand right now. There's a lot of concern about that strain again, the U.K. strain or the South African strain, where it is, how quickly it's spreading, because, of course, it may be is more transmissible, thankfully, not more uh, not more virulent. Right. Uh, but we got to be concerned as the vaccine rollout it was interesting. Also listening to Dick Parsons, a New Yorker who went down to Florida where he's going to get the vaccine, but New York somehow doesn't seem capable of figuring out a way to get the vaccine out. No, I mean, Carl, one of the things that is, I think, devastating is uh, the truth about what happened here, which is that the president had no clue. And the decision to not have a federal move, but to have it state by state. When you think that we had six million people vaccinated against smallpox over three weeks in New York City, a very small incident, you can see just how ludicrous and stupid everything's being done. Now everybody's starting to tell the truth. Maybe we don't fear the president on Twitter. I don't know. 
Uh, but I, I, I do think, Carl, that when this first broke and I came home from the Super Bowl but without watching the game, I was reading Harvard School of Public Chan uh, School of Public Health at Harvard talking about that 60 percent of Americans will get this before it, it finishes. And I think that when the when Dr. Gottlieb talks about a foot race all along, I mean, I cannot believe how prescient the, uh, the publications were that 60 percent. Yeah. are going to get it. And I think that it's just it's become just a matter of time unless we get you know, some new president comes in and says, listen, this is all I'm going to do is vaccinate people. Everyone's going to. I right. think I think it's possible that everybody gets it. I mean, is it a Stan like situation? Is it a Stephen King like situation? Yes. Yes, because well, we're well, doing this all com- along. Yeah. Look at some of the comments this morning, Jim, from, say, the mayor of London, uh, who says uh, the city's in crisis mode. One in every 30 Londoners uh, is infected. Uh, maybe the, the silver lining here this morning, David, is the bit from Pfizer that says their vaccine does appear to work on the U.K. strain, the variant yes. and the South African <laughs> strain, although we're waiting for peer review. Yeah. And you heard again, I listen to Scott Gottlieb, as I know we all do closely in terms of talking a bit about the science of it and the spike protein and things of that nature. So that's good. It still works on it. The question, of course, continues to be when is the vaccine going to be more broadly available to people who are still in high risk groups, uh, starting with just elderly. Um, And, Jim, I certainly hope you're wrong on that prediction. Uh, Even 60 percent seems a number uh, hard to imagine. Uh, You're talking what? I mean, we got 320 million people in the country. So that's an enormous number. Now, that said, there are plenty who may have had it who are still never were tested and don't know they had right. it. And, of course, that's the insidious part of this virus, the fact that it spread so easily from people who are asymptomatic, um, which is why we still have to tell people wear a mask. And, of course, it doesn't it go unnoted that uh, so many of the people who stormed the Capitol the other day were not wearing masks. Right. And apparently some of the uh, legislators themselves were moved to uh, secure locations refused to put on masks. Yeah. Uh, well, which is just hard to imagine. Well, I would call them idiots if it weren't for the fact I'm Jimmy Chill. Mm. Uh, no, no joke about this. Let's understand. <laughs> Let's understand. I'm going to begin to take an at-home test on air next week. It's available. Uh, the, the public health system in this country is ready to help. The medical system's not. The FDA approved this, what I'm going to be taking. Uh, I got a box of 20 of them. It's not, it's not readily available. Why? Because... Uh, we have a system in this country that's completely dysfunctional. It should be available to everybody, and that'll keep you home during those days between when you've caught it uh, and are asymptomatic, and then when it's obvious that you have it, which is really at the crux. We have all sorts of systems uh, to be able to see that it's aerosol, uh, and we know that even how to stop aerosol. We have a system where we have a Regeneron pill, Regeneron drip, that works, that we don't support because the NIH doesn't support it. We have as dysfunctional as the government has been on so many other issues. We have been just a travesty in this country. And are we all going to get sick because we're a travesty? How can you vaccinate six million people in six six weeks? Three, actually, most of them are vaccinated in three weeks for a smallpox epidemic in this country, in New York City. And now we can't even do this. Hey, Carl, I don't want it. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm lucky. I have enough money well, to go to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fauci, uh, though, uh, was, I would say, net encouraging in the past 24 hours, saying we can get to a million a day. Uh, it's within our reach, but we're certainly not there yet. We uh, need Jim, as it pertains to stocks, yeah. 
Yeah, and J&J, right, hopefully in the days to come. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we mentioned the city call yesterday where they cut U.S. to neutral. Uh, David Solomon of Goldman talked to Axios yesterday, said, I'd be cautious here on equities. And then today, uh, B of A, uh, sell the vaccine, frothy prices, greedy positioning, inflationary and desperate policymakers, uh, all ultimately a toxic brew in 2021. Uh, they have said this before, Jim. Uh, I wonder if you are more open to it now than you were back then. No, not yet. Uh, as I said last night, I made money. More buyers than sellers. Uh, there uh, is a group of stocks called the S&P 500 not issuing any, any, not issuing any uh, new stock. I mean, I look at that group. There's a huge shortage of stock coming from there. We do have a lot of SPACs that are coming public, but they're not that big. Uh, we have Tesla. Uh, and Tesla is a wonderment. It's never happened in our country before. A stock that won't quit, which encourages so many other people and so many other companies to be the next Tesla. I had plug power on last night. $3 last year at this time. Now look at it. 50 Everyone wants the next Tesla, David. And yeah, the fact well, is yeah. that it, it's not a stupid hunt. It's not what I call a snipe Hunt. Wow. Look at Plug Power. Yeah, after that deal, of course, uh, yesterday that they announced you had them on with the Yeah, well, they're with, hydrogen uh, with power. The Koreans. We know that, uh, um, that uh, by the way, that by Musk the way, calls the, it mind-bogglingly stupid. The Chinese EV company, NEO. Look at that performance of that one. Yes. But by the way, I mean, put up Bitcoin because, yeah. I mean, I don't know, Jim. What's that saying? Same thing? Well, Bitcoin's replaced gold, I think, is the uh, repository of, of safety, which is, I know, it's going to come back and haunt me on YouTube. But I have to tell you that we're, we're in a strange time. We've never done, seen this before, but I will say, David, it's too early to say that we're quitting. This, it's too early to say when you had um, $2,000 checks that might be coming. And I, yeah, but those, those checks are going to be going to people who are also, you would hope, in need of paying the rent. I hope so. Of making sure that they can put food on the table. That I, would be the so. expectation. Now, I but do how much know of them goes the, to the Murray men, David? I don't know. And I, I, we won't know. But the Murray men love no this idea. market. The what? Murray men believe that stocks don't go down. Murray men being well, They have no reason to believe that because they haven't gone down since they became really involved in the marketplace, let's call it, in April. So David Portnoy was the, the evangelist that was right? Who was? David Portnoy. <laughs> he didn't do very well, though, on his picks, did well, he? But his, he got bruised. He had a lot of cruise battered. stocks. I'm not, again, I don't want to be facetious. When I say marry men, I say that because Robin Hood is 17 million strong, but there's so many others. They're going to get the check. They don't understand discipline, and so they've created a new world of discipline. Carl, uh, there are people who are buying stocks that are up. They, the companies are issuing stock, and people are thrilled, and they buy that. Uh, plug power up four more dollars as I watch the screen underneath. Yesterday, what, there's a story about Apple and, and the car. Uh, and that goes up. You, I mean, this, yeah. look, let's just understand that we're in strange times. There's a lot of capital. I was talking on, uh, on Swapbox about whether it's Jay Powell that's the problem. I think it's COVID that's the problem, because if we get a shutdown of some proportion as we get the vaccine out, you can't raise rates. You, you can't. What about you? Can you raise rates with losing 140,000 jobs in December? No, you can't raise rates. No. So what? We did so, have revisions up for November and October, but still, no. It's, right? it's a very odd, different time. Everything about this mm-hmm. time, there are, it, there, Carl, there's no playbook. 
no playbook. People come on and talk about value versus growth. I mean, like, we, we liked value in the morning, and then the <laughs> next day, it was every single growth stock up much more than value. Is there a pattern here? Yes, people want to own stocks, and there is not enough stock. There's just not. Yeah, to hear, not you, say there's, to hear you say there's no playbook, uh, I mean, any quant this year can tell you certainly uh, the playbooks they have uh, just aren't valid, uh, given right. the extremity of scenarios that we've seen. Um, but I'm not hearing you talk about corporate earnings or it's all I hear you talking about flow. I hear you talking about positioning. I don't hear you talking about profits. Well, I think profits are going to be pretty good for companies that do business overseas because we forget we've been using uh, what in constant currency uh, dollar adjustment. Now the dollar's going their way. Uh, I think that China, uh, Mr. President, if you're listening, I'm sorry to say this, but China has become an amazing growth engine. They'll probably pass us. Uh, anybody who sells into China is doing incredibly well. Uh, our banking system is intact, and yet the bank stocks are very inexpensive. The most expensive stocks are obviously governed by the Tesla concept or by the digitization concept. I'm going to have Micron on tonight. Micron had an extraordinary quarter. It's a very inexpensive stock. Uh, David, if you get yeah. the economy open, then yeah. you've got the Disney's of the world's flying. Yeah. And as the economy stays uh, closed, yep. you've got a whole bunch of other stocks. The Amazon's flying. There's a lot of stuff flying, David. I bet you, by the way, Boeing's going to fly after they just paid out that. There's a, that little, there's a lot of stuff flying. Uh, and I'm good you ever seen of, it like this? It's not 1998-2000. Everything, it, well, Twain said Nothing. it. It doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. It does, does it really? Rhyme. Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of like, more of like a simile. Yeah. Uh, Carl? Guys, we're going to get to a lot of the calls today. Pretty steady diet of names like CVS, JetBlue, uh, DR Horton. There's another upgrade of Tesla today, uh, double upgrade of X. We'll get to that. Uh, not too far away from new highs at this point. We'll be back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Guys, fascinating story uh, developing this morning involving a small company, Acacia uh, Communications, uh, announced to have been acquired by Cisco back in July 9th of 2019. Why this morning? Well, a few different things going on. But let me bring you uh, the latest news that I don't believe has hit yet, which is you've got these companies actually in an argument. Uh, it was a $70 deal. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, manufacturers high-speed optical interconnection connect technologies. And by the way, as you might imagine, Acacia, not Cisco, that group has gone skyrocketing since uh, they announced the deal back last the summer of uh, 2019. Fast forward to this morning, 12.01. That was the walk away. That was when uh, basically they, uh, either side could terminate the, the agreement. And Acacia terminated the agreement. Why? Because they hadn't gotten approval yet from the Chinese antitrust authorities. Well, Cisco this morning is going to say and is about and actually has said that they did get that approval from the Chinese authorities in a release. Uh, the company indicating on January 7th, yesterday, it received a statement from Samer. That is, of course, 
uh, well, there's the beginning of it, that it announced it's seeking confirmation from the Delaware Court of Chancery. It has met all the conditions of closing the, the deal um, and is seeking a court mandate, uh, including, there it is, the approval of China's state administration for markets. Cisco seeking a court mandate. The agreement may not be terminated until the court resolves these matters. And... Um, an order from the court requiring them to close. Cisco has received, this is what I was getting to, a statement from Samer that the agency uh, has determined Cisco's submission is, quote, sufficient to address the relevant competition concerns. What does all this mean? Let me try and explain it for a minute here. Um, a case he actually wanted out because its stock would go up. And in fact, as you see, it was going up right. much higher than the $70 bid. Why? Because they were able to exercise the provision that said they can get out, given how much time it passed, without them getting approval from the Chinese antitrust authorities. But apparently, Cisco telling us they have received approval from the Chinese antitrust authorities yesterday, although, again, sufficient to address the relevant competition concerns. Is that full approval? This may end up in court. This is going to be very interesting to watch. Jim, this group has gone up a lot. We, right. know, the, we know the chip stocks have gone up an enormous amount. But what was so interesting, and I was planning on discussing this later in the show, was that Acacia was walking away from a deal because it was going to benefit from doing so, given its stock would go up. Maybe it wants to sell itself again at a higher price. But now we're going to actually have this thing go into court because Cisco's going to say, hey, we got approval from China just in the nick of time. By the way, that not unimportant in the larger context of China-U.S. relations and whether you can get Chinese antitrust approval for these deals that are out there, whether it's the Xilinx deal, whether it's the, uh, obviously the, the deal, the arm holdings deal that NVIDIA is trying to complete. Uh, so very interesting story developing here that we can give the latest on. Cisco says we got approval and we're closing and we're going to go to court and you better not try and we'll wait on the court decision here. Casey says we're out. I think it's amazing. I mean, this is one that I thought was a done deal. I, I liked the deal very much. Uh, I, I know if you go to Delaware Court of Chancery and you've got this SAMR approval, David, I, how does Cisco lose? Um, I don't know the specifics of the approval. I don't know when it was received. I don't know about the 1201 timeline for the 8th and whether they made it before that. They say they did. I mean, it's something where you need a judge to make a decision. And yeah. again, to go back, this was a July 9, 2019 deal, 70 bucks a share. The group has moved up significantly since that. Why they didn't just try to renegotiate it, why they both or why Cisco was playing hardball here, unclear. Um, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Again, not that large a deal dollar wise, but sort of interesting and important to see the back and forth. But now. you mentioned the AMD Xilinx deal. It's, that yeah. deal has kept back the stock of AMD versus the other tech yeah. uh, names. And I do wonder, David, whether... Uh, I think both AMD buying Xilinx yep. and NVIDIA buying ARM Holdings have mm -hmm. kept those two from participating in the semiconductor round. Because, again, you have a lot of uncertainties whether they're going to be able to complete the deal or how quickly they're going to be able to complete the deal as you wait for SAMR uh, to give approval, Carl, on these deals. The antitrust authority in China that we know takes its time, and given the, the tensions, the between our two countries, it is always in focus when it comes to these antitrust matters for these deals. Mellanox got done. Yeah. Yeah. From yep. Go ahead, Carl. I'm sorry. From Cisco, guys, to Roku. Uh, it's been a busy week. Rosenblatt goes to 420 today, and now Julia Borston, I think, has some news. Is this about Quibi, Julia? It is indeed about Quibi, Carl. We had reported that this was in the works. Now officially, Roku has acquired Quibi's global content distribution rights, and this is for the Roku channel. That, that's the ad-supported 
free channel that Roku distributes not just on his own devices, but can be accessed anywhere. This will be key fuel to help grow the audience for that free ad-supported channel. Now, just to put this in context, it's more than 75 shows. A dozen of them have not yet aired on Quibi. So a dozen of them will be premiering on Roku. This will be the first time that Roku is premiering content for the first time. Now, it's about it's, it's several hundred hours of content. And I think it's interesting here to see Roku move into this original content game. These are licensed rights, so this is not rights for perpetuity. Um, basically, Roku is taking over the rights that Quibi had t- had purchased from the content creators. Um, big names here, Anna Kendrick, Kevin Hart, Idris Elba are starring in this content, so should help Roku uh, acquire some new viewers. But just want to point out here, Carl, that we don't have a dollar amount. We don't know how much was spent on this deal, uh, but they say it's very valuable content to them. Can't wait to get uh, Jim and David's uh, comments on that after the break. Julia, thank you. Uh, Julia Borston. Dow needs 152 points for a new high. Looks like we'll get about 95, uh, judging from futures. Opening bell in just about eight minutes. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. All right, let's get to a mad dash. We got an opening bell two minutes from now as we end a tumultuous week, to say the least. Jim, Micron. Yeah, look, David, the Micron call was, was, I thought, sensational. And I I do have them on tonight. Uh, But they're talking about, well, what's doing things? Well, it's the end markets that are driving things. Data center, by the way, DRAM better. uh, And and Mr. Mahotra will explain this. DRAM's better than uh, Flash, NAND. But it's driven by data center, cloud, uh, artificial intelligence. These are all long-term uh, growth drivers, storage. And while, the reason I mention this is because everyone thinks stocks are so expensive. This, is, this was selling at 20 times earnings. And take a look where it is. Uh, and it's a backbone for everything, including auto. And all I can say, David, is, is that things are good around the world. Uh, their mobile business they took for, that they lost with Huawei was then picked up by everybody else. This is a good uh, barometer. As a matter of fact, David, this is key to the market today. Because really? Micron's key to the market? Yes, because Why? this is yeah. a, a $88 billion company that has the pulse on pretty much every single part of the economy. And everything needs chips. Uh, Micron's chips are in strong demand and there's not enough supply. You know how good that is when you have when you have great demand and not enough supply it means prices go higher. And generally speaking, I mean, I'm, I'm, most chips have gone higher. Right. Maybe even potato chips. I don't know. But you have Utz on a I don't lot. Know, Pepsi, I don't know. How's that I, I like going? Utz. is yeah. good. Yeah. PepsiCo Frito-Lay is OK. Right. Uh, but the problem with PepsiCo, David, is, is that that's don't want you, that's not what you buy when the economy's accelerating. 
No, and clearly you don't buy Coke either, which has oh been a significant underperformer so far in this rally that we've had beginning year one uh, he, with the beginning of the year. Yeah, rather than, than trash tech like so many people do, uh, Carl's got a great new acronym for the stocks that are working. It is the consumer, uh, let's just say the consumer package goods companies, Carl, that aren't doing well. Tech's doing fine. Yeah, Jim, and to your point uh, on Micron, JPM goes to 100. Credit Suisse goes to 110. I guess that city double upgrade doesn't look too late in retrospect. No, it doesn't. I'm glad he got on board. Of, of course, there are a lot of people who got on board when the <laughs> stock was at 40. And, he, and Mr. Mahotra came on uh, Mad Money and said the stock's extraordinarily uh, cheap. We're going to buy a lot. He ended up not buying a lot. But he, he was right. The CEO, Sanjay, it was great. He said, listen, the stock's really cheap. Whoever says that, you know, they always say that's up to you, Jim, about whether it's, no, he said, our stock's really cheap. And he understood that you had to buy it ahead of the cycle turning. Uh, Many of the analysts wanted to wait. Not as many as as the analysts who hated Tesla that now like it, moved to the sidelines. Jim, you see that Evercore? They moved to the sidelines? Yeah. Was sell to hold there. Carl, $650 price target, though. They're using, I guess that's coming into play right here, isn't it? <laughs> At 850. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On one, one, one coda onto Micron, uh, Nikkei's got a piece out today that Nissan is going to have to cut production of cars because of chip shortages. I just wonder how much of a problem that's going to be uh, for broader industry in 2021. Yes, yeah, Sanjay's claim, the CEO, is claiming that it's actually other parts, not his part that's delivering, uh, that is causing the shortage. Uh, and, but the shortage is real. He talks about it uh, several times in the conference call. People, intri- people tried to say it was his fault. It clearly isn't. Uh, they're producing their chips, but there are other chips uh, that are in too short supply. Carl, it's a, a remarkable time. Again, I come back and say, look at Micron, 20 times earnings. Is that a value stock? I guess so. Remember, people come on and say, I really like value now. Well, Micron's value, so go buy it. Just go buy it. It's not a SPAC. It's a real company. David, do you have Sorry. something to say? No, I'm trying to. I'm talking to my producer, Kerry, here, trying to remember how many shares uh, Musk has. Um, Are you back on that? We, we, we were going over it yesterday, trying to make sure we got the numbers right on both the share count for Tesla and the actual number of shares that he owns, because he owns roughly 20% of what is roughly a billion, do- billion shares out there. So about 193 million, I think that was right. Um, but he's the world's richest man, uh, uh, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the stock's up 20%. Well, I mean, they added to the S&P and people 20 percent in four trading five, four and trading days in two minutes. OK. OK. What am I supposed to tell you? You want to sell a million shares of Tesla? I'll give you I'll give you eight hundred forty eight dollar bid right now. You will. Yeah. You'll eight, take eight forty eight for one million Tesla. How's that? Uh, I wish I had eight hundred and forty eight million dollars that I could actually sell. To you, you can put it right into Bitcoin and just make even more money. Carl. Yeah. Where yeah, is Bitcoin going to a million? I think I saw some guy saying it's going to a million. Was that Pomp yesterday on Alyssa's uh, show? Yeah. Well, I know. Well, Minard's at uh, 400K, right? Yeah. Uh, JPM somewhere above 110K. Today, B of A, Jim, says it blows the doors off of prior bubbles, the action in Bitcoin over the last two years. Well, uh, <laughs> okay, let's say it's a bubble. Um, it, let's say it's tulips. Uh, l- let's go there. We could be very early in the in the tulip. I don't think it's tulip, by the way. But people say, "Oh, Kramer says it's tulip." But uh, I, you remember, you've got a long ramp before that pops, and uh, the price targets that people are now using, and the people who are involved in it are not—they're not fly-by-nighters. They're people we we've respected. 
I find their credibility higher than the people who came on our air in March and said it was the end of the world. You got to sell everything. So I don't know. Uh, I, I have said I've been very vocal that I, I own Bitcoin. Uh, I don't come on air and say, oh, go buy Bitcoin because that's not my job. But I have said own gold, own Bitcoin, own, own alternative assets. David, alternative assets are working. They clearly are. They yeah. clearly are. Gold's uh, a little disappointing. Gold is not moving along with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is on its own, its own journey. It's on journey. Its own journey. Yeah. Like journey? Like a journey. Like a psychological, like your, your journey, my journey. You know, it's on its own journey. journey. It's, it's disassociated from other journey. <laughs> Good for you, David. How about SPACs? Let's talk about them, too, can we? I haven't talked about SPACs for what, we for really seven haven't, or eight actually, minutes. Yeah, at least. I mean, you saw that one yesterday, I assume, the so- SoFi, uh, another Palahapatia SPAC, right. uh, SPAC getting done. That's we can take Anthony a look Noto, at it. totally legitimate guy. Totally. But you know what's interesting about SoFi, because I talked to a number of people in venture capital, I mean, they had not had an up round in years. I think they were kind of stuck at a $5 billion valuation. Right. There are no, there are no merry men uh, robbing. No. And they, um, you know, at solid company, solid EBITDA, but not a lot of growth there, certainly not in the valuation. And then Paula Hapatia comes along and says, all right, well, $8.65 billion is where we'll value. And then the SPAC itself, uh, do we have that, is up dramatically. Uh, I think it was yesterday when he spent a lot of time talking about it. Yeah, I, I find it I've had Anthony Noto on. Uh, he's an old friend of mine. He brought this, the Street.com public when I was. Uh, right, when he was. Uh, a, when but he was I, a I will Goldman, tell you right? that, yeah. you know, it, it didn't have the great growth. But now maybe it will. Carl, back to you. Well, it, maybe it will? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? You, what, what because was? now it's got a stadium that people are very excited oh, about. Oh, it's got a stadium. Okay. And people suddenly know. P-O-E. Um is the symbol. David, I've had them on like 25 times. I know you haven't. I'm sure you'll have them on in the future. And they are going to be be able to go public. And the SPAC itself is a double already. Um, Remember, it was it was it was run poorly for a while. Anthony's come in, made it uh, made it be the youthful bank. But we've got a lot of youthful banks. Carl, we got PayPal's a youthful bank. It's just interesting that you can go Mm -hmm. from um, five billion, five billion, five billion rounds to up eight to 8.65. We'll see. You're right. Well, maybe it shouldn't, but um, it is. By the oh, way, that's the problem. Maybe it shouldn't, but, but it, it is. is. And then on SPAC news as well, don't want to forget SoftBank uh, price their offering. Uh, well oversubscribed as you might expect. 525 million bucks, uh, 52 and a half million units at 10. So that's uh, Rajiv Misra is going to be running that for SoftBank. Uh, we'll see what they come up with. That I always find those interesting. SoftBank has a SPAC. Like, Liberty has a SPAC, but isn't that what they're supposed to do in the first place? Like, don't they compete with the entity itself? That's it's what we're talking about with Gary Cohn, vice chairman of IBM. IBM has got a SPAC, but David, the rules have changed. Rules have changed. Well, the SEC is being obviated. It is? Well, yes, when you do a direct listing. Yeah. Where, where you, when you do a SPAC listing, you can make projections. You can make all sorts of great projections, Dave. You can't do that if it's going through the traditional system. Right. The projections are so good, Carl. You want to buy every one of these. Wow. Guys, we got record highs on S&P 3821, on the NASDAQ, on the Russell, on the transports. Jim mentions Gary Cohen. Speaking of uh, directors of the National Economic Council, we do have some news from Eamon Javers this morning. Hey, Eamon. 
Yeah, good morning, Carl. I've just been texting with National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow. Kudlow telling me that he intends to remain in his position as National Economic Council Director through the end of the president's term on January 20th, even at a time when other uh, officials in the Trump administration are resigning in protest over the president's conduct on Wednesday during the attack on the Capitol. We saw the acting director of the Council of Economic Advisors, uh, Tyler Goodspeed, make a different decision and resign in protest. Kudlow saying uh, he is not going to be doing that. He will remain uh, in service to the president. Uh, he says he will be taking some accumulated vacation time between now and the end of the year. Uh, and I think this sort of underscores the decision making that's going through uh, the minds of a lot of uh, administration officials and White House staffers as they calculate uh, what their response should be personally uh, to the president's conduct on Wednesday. Separately, guys, I can tell you uh, that I've been talking this morning uh, with a senior uh, former senior administration official who tells me uh, that he has been talking to members of the House and Senate, and he has come to the conclusion that an impeachment removal vote would sail through the Republican-controlled Senate right now uh, with enough votes to remove the president based on his conversation. So these informal whip counts are going around now as people try to assess uh, the president's vulnerability here to removal from office before January 20th. That's just one official's count, but it gives you a sense of the fluid situation here in Washington as of right now that the expectation, the betting, uh, is not on an impeachment and removal in time for January 20th. It's a, it's a big hurdle to climb in terms of the procedural practicalities of it. Uh, but that does give you a sense of sentiment anyway on Capitol Hill, at least as far as former administration officials are hearing. Guys, back over to you. Uh, that, well, uh, Eamon, uh, that informal whip that you're hearing uh, does kind of dovetail with what Clyburn said this morning, and that is you could be looking at a House vote in the middle of next week. Right. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has said that the House is prepared uh, to possibly move forward with impeachment uh, quickly if the vice president does not move forward uh, with the 25th Amendment and remove the president himself. Uh, that seems to be unlikely, given the signals that we're getting uh, from in and around the White House. The, there don't seem to be the votes in the cabinet. Uh, there doesn't seem to be the sentiment uh, within uh, the heart of the vice president uh, to, to do that right now for a variety of reasons. So uh, in terms of Democrats' hopes to remove the president before January 20th, that leaves impeachment. But that's a cumbersome process. As you know, we have to go through hearings. We have to go through articles being drafted. We have to go through a House vote, then a Senate trial, and then a Senate vote to remove, uh, to convict and remove. All of that uh, takes time. Um, the advantage uh, politically for those who don't want to see Trump remain a viable political figure is that they can uh, remove him in such a way if they conduct the vote and write the language that way in the Senate such that he can't run for president again in 2024. Uh, that might be a limiting factor then on the president's ambitions uh, going forward politically, Carl. Uh, but we're a long way from there. And, and it does not seem it seems like a long shot, to say the least, at this point. But that gives you a sense of where the sentiment is. All right. Uh, Eamon, we'll watch that closely. Uh, thank you very much, Eamon Javers. Uh, Jim, uh, you know, the discussion of 25th and impeachment is sort of crowding out the stories we would normally be talking about today, namely the sort of one-two punch of stimulus that at least Axios says Biden is planning through infrastructure and a variety of other uh, methods. Yeah, uh, look, there, there's just a 
so it's so uh, confusing out there because I mean, you have companies like uh, Union Pacific. Okay, that's kind of a classic infrastructure play. Uh, some people will say it's a value stock. Some people would say it's a transport that's doing quite well, sells at 27 times earnings. It stocks up a quick seven bucks. Why? Because of we expect a lot of uh, infrastructure spend. Uh, David, there is yeah. a, a lot of people want to bet on infrastructure. A lot of people want to bet on uh, that we've seen the, the nature of job, of, of job declines. Uh, there are many people who want to bet on positives, and there are very few people who just say, you know what, COVID is going to lead uh, to some sort of shutdown, as if maybe doesn't President feel like we're going to shut down again. No, it I mean, doesn't. They, because if we were going to, we would have. I mean, what? don't you think, Jim, at this point, if we were going President, to shut down, we would have shut down. We're not President Trump. No, in general. I mean, New York hasn't done it. It's, oh, it's, sorry, it's the positivity rate's much higher than it had been. Certainly, maybe maybe at the height of the pandemic, it was higher. Well, but, OK, so there's uh, n- other places have not. I mean, we're just taking it. We're just we're just taking it, trying to get to the vaccine. Right. Um, you're, you're right. And you're right. that's but where that's we are. We can yeah. buy a lot of stocks. Yeah. Well, between you know rates, between potential more stimulus coming, infrastructure spending, as you say, and a lot of other things, people Bitcoin, are still Tesla. continue to be positive. Carl, real quickly, just to clarify that story that we discussed earlier, Cisco and Acacia are going to end up in court in Delaware over their merger agreement, which Casey says they have terminated and walked away from, given the re-rating in the group of which it's a part that's resulted in its stock price being higher than what the 70 bucks that Cisco was paying, they both needed to mutually, it would appear, at least according to Section 6.1 of the merger agreement, waive the uh, China approval. And, and Cisco, even though they've gotten this, this, uh, this language from China that says we're going to approve, they haven't received official approval. So a case is going to say you didn't get official approval. You needed our waiver in order to actually close the deal prior to the expiration of the merger agreement. We're not giving it to you. We're out. So that's where things stand. They'll go to court. But I did want to clarify that because some people were saying, well, couldn't Cisco have just waived it if they knew it was coming? Uh, and it, it may very well be close, Carl, but it is not yet there, I guess, the SAMR approval we were talking about for this deal. Over to you. All right. All right, David. Uh, good stuff. Uh, for once, financials are not leading, even though the 10 year is closing in on 1-1. Let's get to Bob Asani. Hey, Bob. Morning, Carl. But still a great week for uh, banks overall. We're up, which is remarkable given the disappointing jobs report. So here's the COVID winter, folks. So we're going to be in for a tough three or four months. And this is why the market reacts so much to stimulus, because stimulus is the bridge that gets us through these disappointing few months here where we're going to have a tough time. Uh, overall. You see energy up. Boy, what a great week for energy. What are we up? 10% or so. Tech's kind of flattish for the week, although up today. Banks are down, but they've had a great week. They're up 8 or 9% as a group, and some of the big super regionals are up even more than that. We've had a lot of new highs in the last couple days, a lot of new highs in industrials, Caterpillar, Dover, some of the big names, some of the banks, some of the material names. Uh, Freeport MacMoran, new highs uh, as well. So it's been uh, quite a week here. Trends, a little tough to discern, but at least in the first four or five days, you could see some clear trends. And again, it's a little early here, but small caps over big caps for sure. Cyclicals over defensive. Values doing better than growth. Small cap value is just killing it. Uh, this week. And believe it or not, Asian stocks over U.S., that may surprise people, but with the weak dollar and a sort of global reflation trade, look what's been going on in these Asian markets. We've hit new highs in all of the big Asian markets this week. So Korea is up 10%. That's a new high. Vietnam, China, that's the CSI 300. That's sort of the S&P of China. Taiwan, Japan's at the highest level in 30 years. 
So bear in mind, weak dollar, global reflation. Uh, there's other markets doing really well. Europe is shy about 5% uh, of a new high. Remember what's moving the markets. Keep them thinking in terms of buckets so you don't get too confused. It's stimulus and the vaccine versus the virus and taxes. So stimulus is the most important thing because it's more checks in people's pockets. It's more infrastructure, potentially. It's local government aid. And then you have the vaccine against the virus. That's the most important thing. That battle is going to determine the pace of the recovery, whether we get a recovery starting in the second quarter or the third or the fourth. That's the determinant uh, of that. Speaking of taxes, everybody's dusting off those Biden tax plans. There's a lot of influence on stocks here. So he would raise marginal income tax for those making over 400000 He'd raise the corporate tax from 21 to 28. He'd tax long-term capital gains and dividends at a much higher level uh, towards ordinary taxes. This is going to affect uh, the markets overall here. The issue here is what effect would these taxes have on stock market behavior? Would people hold stocks longer? Would they sell them quicker, particularly regarding any changes in the higher capital gains taxes? And Carl, you know, raising taxes on the wealthy is going to revive that old debate that raising taxes would not necessarily provide an increase in revenues. Let's go back to the whole 1980s argument. And yes, you're going to have somebody bring up the Laffer curve, not me, but somebody's going to bring it up more on taxes and uh, impact on the markets. TraderTalk.CNBC.com. Carl, have a good weekend. All right, Bob, you too. Uh, still to come this morning, an exclusive interview with Barry Diller uh, of uh, IAC later this morning on Squawk Alley. First, though, take a look at how Treasuries are faring this morning. We mentioned the weaker-than-expected jobs number taking center stage down 140K. Yield on the 10-year uh, initially spiked in reaction to the drop in payrolls, as you can see from the chart, now above 1-1. And we'll finish with a look at the dollar index, which has obviously had its own travails. More Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Don't go away. yesterday is a disgrace and I as an American I'm embarrassed you know I didn't vote for Trump in 16 I voted for him in this past election November today I'm I'm sorry I did that America has been through hell and back it's become so tribal and I just hope that president-elect Biden will act to bring us together. He's got full control of both houses. He needs to do that. We need to heal from Trump. It was really a devastating blow. And we just can't go on. That's Nelson Peltz on Closing Bell yesterday. Uh, Jim adding to the list of denunciations from the likes of Chris Christie, uh, Bill Barr, uh, Nikki Haley, John Kelly, and so on. Right. I, I thought it was tough to... It was painful. I mean, Nelson uh, did something not a lot of people wanted to do, which is say, listen, I made a mistake here. I voted for the wrong person. Now, there's 74 million people uh, out there. We always have to remember this. I keep mentioning this, David, because 74 million people is not an aberration. And if you're going to unite the country, a la what Lincoln would say to do, you have to figure out how to bring 74 million people from one party together with the party that won. Uh, it, it, solutions, David? I don't. I don't. It's beyond that, as you know, as you listen to so many people on our air. It's not it's it's uh, different realities, different uh, facts, so to speak, or at least different uh, 
But Lincoln Truth? brought two more. I, I don't know how you do together. it, though. Yeah, but Lincoln wasn't dealing with Facebook and Twitter and, and any other social media platforms that were giving people exactly what they wanted and nothing else. Well, my hope is, is that fewer people die of COVID than they did in the Civil War. Lincoln could go around debating Stephen Douglas. You know, he could. Uh, no. Frederick Douglass Fred, would be better. Yeah, well, he wasn't debating Frederick. He was debating Frederick Stephen Douglass. Douglass. A great but a lot of people showed up. That's how they got the word right. out back Look, then. I don't know what else to do. The analog is the Civil War. I don't know what else to do. Frederick you saw Douglass. the Confederate flag in the, in the heart of the rotunda? That was the most disturbing single thing. Well, whatever. Carl. Yeah, I know. And uh, flags will be at half staff as, um, as uh, Brian Sicknick uh, has passed away. Only the fourth Capitol policeman to be killed in the line of duty in the past two centuries. We're back in a minute. NASDAQ 100 gainers for the week. Not a huge surprise. Tesla up 20% on 10 straight wins uh, and, and mixed in there Walgreens and some chips with the NXP and applied materials more squawk on the street in a moment don't go away let's get a Friday edition of stop trading in the old days we would all be heading out to San Francisco be able to go to the JP Morgan Healthcare conference and we listen to what Lisa Gill has to say she's a fantastic analyst I've got her on tonight her favorite looks like to be other than Teladoc CVS uh, CVSY, the Aetna integration is starting to work. They've got health hubs. And yes, it's where you'll probably get vaccinated, 10,000 places of vaccination. Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking to her. And then Micron, which is coming in a little. Boy, if it goes down low from here, then you do want to buy it. I've got Sanjay Marotra, who is a very eloquent man, who at 40 came on and said, buy. I think he's got the best call. He's the best analyst on the street on Micron, David. Can't resist, Carl. I want everyone to be safe, Carl. I want everyone to just be safe. Please. Remember, you can't get it unless you get it from someone else. I always think about what David said uh, almost a year ago, and that is uh, you need to evade it every time, but it only needs to get you once. Yep. Yep. Dr. Schweitzer over there. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. But wear a mask. It helps. Wear a mask. Social distance. Don't have fun. Meaning, don't gather. So, Guys, look, I mean it. We we gotta stop. We gotta do what we can to stay a lot. Yeah, Jim. We'll see you at six. Of course, uh, Mad Money with Jim Cramer, six p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.